0: After years of waiting, BuzzFeed announced in June that it would finally be going public. Forget listicles, it's time for a listing. BuzzFeed announcing this morning that it will go public. This moment was a big deal for BuzzFeed co-founder and CEO, Jonah Peretti.
1: It's a very exciting um, time right now where digital media is maturing and hitting the period where it's a real, real businesses can be built with real defensibility, scalability, profitability, and growth
0: but getting here hasn't been entirely smooth. Over the past few years BuzzFeed's valuation has dropped. And so by going public now, BuzzFeed and Peretti ended up at odds with the company's biggest investor, NBC Universal.
1: So not only is NBC Universal not getting, you know, an enormous return, but in fact it looks like they might actually lose up to $100 million.
0: Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Friday, August 20th. Coming up on the show, what BuzzFeed's long path to going public says about the state of digital media. colleague Ben Mullen covers BuzzFeed.
1: So BuzzFeed is this company that was founded in the mid-2000s by Jonah Peretti, who is this former teacher turned merry internet prankster, turned digital media viral Svengali.
0: Jonah Peretti first went viral in 2001 when he was studying viral communications as a grad student at MIT, before Facebook and before retweets and likes. He had an email exchange with a Nike customer service rep about sneakers and sweatshops. That email exchange got forwarded and forwarded, and soon millions of people were reading it.
1: And it became one of these early email forwards. I didn't really know that much about the sweatshop issue, um, but I still ended up on the Today Show with a Nike's head of PR and Katie Couric debating sweatshop labor.
0: From there, Peretti started a string of online projects. First, a website with his sister, comedian Chelsea Peretti. Then he co-founded the Huffington Post, and in 2006, he co-founded BuzzFeed. At first, BuzzFeed focused on listicles, quizzes, and fun articles. And what tied it all together was that you could share them via social media. This basically made BuzzFeed one of the first companies to make a business out of going viral.
1: And it really Paid off for them. They were able to grow rapidly at 50% year over year. They were pioneers for branded content. And then they do this interesting thing, which is they hire Ben Smith, who was like a reputable political blogger at places like the New York Observer and Politico, basically to start a news division. And Ben Smith recruits a ton of really great journalists. And they build out this investigative operation within BuzzFeed that's known for hard-hitting journalism.
0: As BuzzFeed grew, it raised round after round of investment from venture capital funds. They saw lots of promise for digital media startups to disrupt legacy media companies. And as more advertising dollars moved online, those legacy media companies took notice too.
1: I mean, the real, like, big-picture story here is that Every single one of these major media companies, Disney, NBC Universal, Time Warner, they all placed their bets on these digital publishing companies. And they were doing this in part because they thought these companies were the future of media.
0: And in 2015, NBC set its sights on BuzzFeed. NBC Universal invested $200 million in BuzzFeed.
1: This new money is expected to value BuzzFeed at over a billion dollars.
0: It's part of a move to reach a wider audience of millennial and mobile video viewers. Both companies will explore cross platform partnerships in the coming months. NBCUnivers- the next year, NBC doubled its investment to a total of $400 million, raising BuzzFeed's valuation even further. As much as you know, what were NBC's expectations of this investment?
1: I think like a lot of big media companies that were investing in digital publishers at that point, they expected the growth to continue. And they were also looking for innovative executives that understood digital media that could help them figure out their strategy.
0: So NBC was betting on BuzzFeed's rapid growth and Peretti's instincts for viral engagement. And if things played out as expected, NBC could stand to make a lot of
1: money it became clear within, I would say, the next year or so that BuzzFeed's plan was to go public. And at the time, it was kind of expected that BuzzFeed's IPO would be the first in a series of these digital publishing IPOs that, you know, maybe Vox Media and Vice Media and some of these other digital publishing companies that really got sort of the peak of their powers in the mid-2010s were also going to take the same route.
0: So that's what people were hoping for, But
1: what actually happened? A couple things. I mean, some of it is just the gravity of the media business. The bigger you get, the more revenue you get, the harder it becomes to sustain the same kind of year-over-year revenue growth, especially as in the case with BuzzFeed in the mid-2010s when you only have really one big source of revenue, and that's digital advertising. Other media companies that are more mature, like, say, The Wall Street Journal or The New York Times or even NBC Universal, they have a ton of different revenue streams. And so if the ad market is bad one year, well, then they have distribution fees that help them make up for the lost revenue. So what happened was BuzzFeed started missing its revenue targets by quite a bit.
0: OK, so they're
1: missing revenue targets. What does this do to their IPO dreams? They shelve the IPO. I mean, it becomes very clear that if the company isn't growing as fast as it projected, that's not the kind of trajectory you want for a company that's going to be telling a story to investors about why it needs to go to the public markets and really supercharge its growth.
0: And does Jonah Peretti say anything as the kind of sheen on BuzzFeed
1: starts to dull a little? Yeah, Jonah Peretti is at this time, as sort of this entire sector, is facing these headwinds. Jonah Peretti is public about the fact that he thinks mergers and acquisitions are really necessary for these companies to survive and thrive.
0: So Peretti started making his own acquisitions. And late last year, BuzzFeed made a major deal. There's
1: a reunion of sorts in 2020. Because BuzzFeed and Jonah Peretti strike a deal to acquire HuffPost, which Jonah had obviously founded more than a decade before. And part of the reason why Jonah does this deal is because it's it's becoming clear that the digital publishing sector is really consolidating. There's a ton of mergers and acquisitions as these companies try to get bigger. And so he's seeing these competitive threats and he, he basically understands, BuzzFeed understands, that they need to make deals basically to get big enough to go public. So the first deal they do is HuffPost during that year, and it's announced in November. And then before the end of the year, they're already talking to this company called Complex, which is like famous for its uh, coverage of streetwear and the Hot Ones, Spicy Wings video. I literally didn't even listen, hear your question. <laughs> It's so hot. Uh, Say that again? To acquire them as well, so they'll have even more scale to go public.
0: BuzzFeed also had been cutting back on costs, laying off dozens of staff in its news division.
1: So the company sort of gets more financially disciplined and starts holding down costs. So a combination of growing different types of revenue and also cutting out costs pretty aggressively leads the company to be profitable for the first time in many years in 2020.
0: And with a profitable company armed with new acquisitions, Peretti thought, maybe it's time to do the thing he'd been dreaming of, go public. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Workday.
1: So after years of trying to stabilize the business and get it into better shape, after buying Huffington Post, the company that he helped found in the early to mid-aughts, Jonah Peretti finally thinks this business is ready to go public. But he doesn't do a normal IPO. Instead, he decides to do what's called a SPAC merger.
0: Can you remind us what a SPAC is and what's different about them?
1: A SPAC is a shell company that you can buy and sell shares of in the markets. And these companies go public and raise money with the purpose of acquiring a private company.
0: So their whole reason for being is to make an acquisition of another company and provide that company a way onto the public markets.
1: Exactly. So the SPAC that ultimately reaches out to them and that they begin talking to is called 890 Fifth Avenue Partners, And it's named after the Avengers Mansion from the Marvel comic books. And this SPAC, which has Greg Coleman, a former BuzzFeed president on it, reaches out to BuzzFeed and they start having conversations about what going public through a SPAC would look like.
0: Why did BuzzFeed decide to go public using a SPAC?
1: I mean, there's a lot of things that it affords BuzzFeed. It gets them to the public markets faster. They're able to project forward what their business is going to look like. Which you can't do as much in a traditional IPO. But there's one snag, which is that the valuation is not ideal for NBC Universal.
0: NBC invested in BuzzFeed at the peak of its valuation, when digital media companies were hot. But since that time, tech giants like Google and Facebook have grabbed the lion's share of digital ad dollars, and BuzzFeed has suffered. So in this deal, the valuation was below that peak. Now, this wasn't a big deal for BuzzFeed's early investors, who could still make a hefty return. But for NBC, the company was looking at a loss of over $100 million.
1: So if you're NBC Universal, you're looking at a company that you invested $400 million in, hoping that it was going to be the next big thing in media, hoping that it was going to help you sort of kickstart your traditional TV business to the next level— And this founder that you've been working with for a very long time comes back to you with this valuation that's way lower than you thought it would be. So there was a lot of frustration on the NBC Universal side. NBC, BuzzFeed's biggest investor, was not
0: happy, and they wanted something more.
1: They enter into negotiations with Jonah to help make them whole, essentially. And there's a whole bunch of things that are in this agreement between Jonah and NBC, but One of them is that if the share price of this SPAC doesn't reach a certain level, then Jonah has to give a hunk of his equity in the company back to NBC.
0: There's another stipulation, that NBC gets a premium on some of its BuzzFeed shares, adding almost $30 million to the value of its stake. And with these concessions, BuzzFeed was able to move forward with the deal, and it's now expected to go public by the end of the year. At the end of this, BuzzFeed will be a public
1: company, what does Jonah Peretti get? Jonah Peretti gets control of the company that he founded. He got 65% of the voting control of the company through these special voting shares that were orchestrated as a part of the deal. And if the SPAC merger goes off without a hitch, he also is going to make a lot of money because the equity and the company that he spent the last decade or so building is finally going to be tradable on the stock market. From his early days doing internet pranks, Jonah has marched the beat of his own drum. And this SPAC deal was a way for him to continue running his business as an independent person, as an independent entrepreneur. And that is a through-line for the entire run of the company.
0: And the fact that it has taken BuzzFeed so long to get to this point,
1: what does that say to you? This path to go public was necessitated by the way that the media industry has shifted over the last, you know, five to 10 years. And so to the extent that it says something about the media industry writ large, I think what it says is, That these companies, which were once thought to be the future of big media, are something else. And that something else is independent companies that have to do a bunch of different things to continue growing.
0: That's all for today, Friday, August 20th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Ryan Knudsen and me, Kate Leinbaugh. The show is produced by Priscilla Alabi, Katherine Brewer, Pia Godkari, Martin Kessler, Annie Minoff, Laura Morris, Afif Nasuli, Ricky Nevetsky, Enrique Perez de la Rosa, Sarah Platt, Willa Rubin, Matthew Sherman, Matthew Schiltz, and Annie Rose Strasser. Our engineers are Griffin Tanner and Nathan Singapok. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Katherine Anderson, Peter Leonard, Bobby Lord, Emma Munger, So Wiley, and Blue Dot Sessions. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.